Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 64 of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, once again, I'm sort of riding, riding solo. Aaron's off doing some important things. So uh, tonight on the show, we're you know we're always trying to find the right mix of technology, what's going on with the major vendors or technology providers, you know what's going on from from customers and businesses, and then you know what's going on in the future. So tonight, I think you know we struggle with that sometimes. Tonight, I think we're going to have a really good mix of all of those things, and we're we're very excited to have uh, a good friend of the show, an alumni of the show, uh, Regine Skillern, Director of Cloud Computing at Intel. Regine, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Brian. It's good to talk to you again. And you are uh, out in Oregon this week, correct? I am. That is where I live, on the west coast of Portland, Oregon. Out in the middle of uh, of the BCS kind of uh, goings-on. You're a big Duck fan, correct? Yeah, go Ducks, and I can't wait for them to finally take the title this year. There you go. Um, so uh, the cool thing about talking with you is, and we were kind of chit-chatting about this before, the, before we hit the record button, is um, the cool thing about talking to Intel is we can talk about almost anything, because as long as it involves... Uh, high performance things, bandwidth, uh, you know, chipsets of all sorts of shapes and sizes. You guys are involved with that. I mean, it's, that's got to be kind of a cool place to be in the industry. You, you get a lot of perspective on things. Yeah, we do. And one of the things, I've been with the data center group for at Intel for about 15 of my 19 years at Intel. And what I love about it is when we started, we really were just a chip company moving into the server space. Mm-hmm. And now we're a server network and storage company. And we're a silicon technology and software company. And um, we've really been able to expand across multiple segments, whether it's high performance or cloud or um, mission critical and all those different capabilities. So we, it's been a wonderful perspective for me. Everybody says, why do you stick with the data center? Why don't you go do something interesting like mobile and consumer? And I'm, you know what? This is interesting. It changes every year, and it's been, a, it's been really a fun ride. Yeah. I mean, you know, just the stuff that you talked about. I mean, you talked about servers. So, I mean, obviously, Intel, famous for their server technology. The stuff changes every year, every six months. Um, you know, just just if we look at the announcements from, say, like the Intel Developer Forum this past you know couple months ago, um, reference architectures, uh, chipsets, and uh, a bunch of software for you know network switching. So the whole uh, mm-hmm. the Fulcrum acquisition. Um, but let's let's talk about a few of them just kind of for some perspective. So. Um, you know, previously Intel hadn't really been in the in the network space. It had been either you know Cisco and their ASICs or Broadcom. Um, you know, you acquired Fulcrum about a year ago or so now. Talk about what you know. What's what's Intel's sort of view on on networking? Um, how far do you get involved with that? Uh, you know, what how far do the products go? Um, how far does the technology kind of permeate? Yeah, this has been a really um, interesting area to work on. I mean, what we've seen is uh, a discussion of convergence across your infrastructure. Um, you know, the the lines are blurred between what's storage, what's server, and what's network, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. If you take a server and you put more persistent uh, memory in it, it's blending towards storage. If you take storage and put more intelligence in it, it's blending towards server. And if you take, um, in today's network, 
virtualized network environments, you're really crossing the line between servers and, and, and switches and, and networking silicon. And so you've seen over the last little while, Intel has been making investments and making acquisitions and building out our capabilities. And what we've done is, and it's not just at the silicon level. So we started with, um, we, we have our platform with our, um, one of our embedded CPUs in our Cave Creek chipset, which creates a, a really good uh, baseline for packet processing, mm-hmm. coupled with our 10 gigabit Ethernet um, NICs and LOMs to add higher throughput. And then what we've done is we put in the Alta silicon, which, you know, Alta was a switching silicon, excellent switching silicon, chosen by companies like Arista because it has key technologies in it, things like asynchronous programming, which gives you that control and ability to do intelligent packet processing and movement. And we've combined it into what's called Seacliff Trail. It's a reference platform. Right. And what what people would think, oh, that makes sense for Intel. That stops at the hardware. But what we've also done is created it all the way up the stack. And um, we've uh, layered in open source software, things like our WinRiver hardened Linux platform, um, with open APIs. So there are switch adapter APIs that you can write directly to the switch hardware. There's core switch APIs. And there's management APIs that you can write at the control plane level. And so what it does is to give a great flexibility um, of this platform. Now, we don't sell this platform directly, but it's a great enabling vehicle um, that shows how you can weave in silicon and software and APIs and create a more open, interoperable networking platform. Right, right. Yeah, and like you said, it's it's a it's sort of a reference platform. I think it's um, you know C View C View Trail. I was C Cliff C Cliff Trail. C Cliff Trail. Right. So so anybody could go pick that up. Um, I suspect you're seeing a number of ODMs, OEMs, maybe some of the traditional networking vendors are, can go pick that up, and it, that's sort of you know um, that consistency that. Um, standardization, that ability to, like you said, have consistent APIs that will run from, uh, you know, up to the application that they might need in the network, you know, a network function down to the, the kernel, the software kernel in the box, down to the hardware and, and the silicon. It gives them a, a level of consistency that, um, you know, you guys can, can differentiate in the technology space that you know, but they can also differentiate really at the at the software layer. It's got to start to make kind of an interesting um, transition of, of how you work with, with some of those partners, um, but but a lot of opportunity for uh, differentiation that customers ultimately can, can value from, I would think. Right. And this is what we've been um, trying to do is we just create the building blocks yep. um, and we're trying to give people a lot of options on how they want to put it together and people will do it differently. But, um, you know, we're in kind of this enabling phase right now, working with a lot of companies, and then you'll start to see, um, you know, pr- more products hitting the market in the future. Okay. And you guys are, um, you know, you're taking that, you know, based on some other things that have been going on. I mean, you guys are taking that beyond just packet processing, um, you know, there's been a big push about, around security. So, I mean, the, the, the Intel TXT, um, you know, trusted uh, environment has been gaining more and more traction. We're seeing more and more companies start to leverage that. Uh, the McAfee acquisition uh, a little while ago. Where, where's, where's the thought process around, uh, around security and, you know, how to leverage, you know, hardware root of trust and, uh, you know, sort of changing the security paradigm um, with, with Intel getting more and more involved with security? Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite things to talk about because um, one, it's obviously one of the critical challenges when people talk about moving to the cloud. But two, it's also I think where people least expect 
Intel to play. Security, yes, but a lot of people don't think that in a cloud environment that the hardware could actually make a difference. Right. And what, what we're seeing as needs are evolving, as larger enterprises who are facing either regulatory or privacy issues or data protection issues or are just looking how to manage a more scale-out elastic environment within a multi-tenant environment, security still remains a pressing issue. And they're looking for controls all the way down to the hardware level um, that give that added um, that added security and, and trust in the system and TXT is, is one of the capabilities. It's uh, secure root of trust in the hardware um, that allows before the the VM even boots to check known good levels and check. Uh, check and then and, and keep track of that as that VM moves. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing is, yeah, that that manage that matters to a service provider because obviously it gives them a sense of how they're going to control their data. It manages it matters to the end users too, um, because they're getting more confidence in a server that has in a service that has that hardware root of trust. And even we're seeing things like NIST evolving their standards, starting to ask uh, and the requirements, at, you know, requiring things like hardware root of trust, um, we're really excited that we're creating these capabilities that actually matter not, matter not only to the person building the cloud, but the person consuming the cloud. Right, right. And I, and I have to imagine, you know, one of the, you know, we talked about this uh, in the past, we talked about before the show as well, you know, Intel's in an interesting position because for the most part, you don't sell directly to, to end businesses, to end customers, but you do take a very active role, whether it's, uh, you know, talking to them just in a consultative role, whether it's through projects like the Open Data Center Alliance, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. I, I got to imagine in a lot of cases, they're, they're constantly pushing you to say, you know, can you embed certain technologies further into what you do. So whether it's things like, you know, in the future, flash for storage technology, which is a very hot space with independent companies. Mm -hmm. But boy, if it was on the motherboard, if it was in the chipset, that would make it one less thing I can deal with. I mean, how 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 do you kind of manage when, when customers are asking those things? Do you, did we look at it as, um, you know, do you look at yourself as a, as a market enabler to help them understand you know, how to move forward? Do you look at it as we've got to try to embed things into our platforms as fast as possible? How does that balance sort of work between innovation for third-party companies and innovation from Intel? You know, we learned, uh, maybe the hard way, but yeah. we learned when, when we started in this cloud environment um, a long time ago, uh, our market segment share was very, very low. Mm -hmm. And what we learned really quickly that is if we started listening um, and realizing that we needed to not uh, tell people what they needed to deploy but listen to what they want to deploy, we could create better products and technologies. It's, it's where we created more of our low-power SKUs. It's where we created our power management technologies. It's where we've created security technologies like TXT and some of the um, um, encryption capabilities, the accelerators we put in for ASNI and advanced encryption. Um, by doing that, um, you know, we believe we've created a better roadmap, and I think it's reflected in the fact that we've been able to grow market segment share in this cloud space to greater than 90%. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's become the fundamental part of our strategy. Listen to the end user, create optimized products and technologies, and then figure out a way to make them broadly scalable to the rest of the industry so they can benefit. And... Um, you know, we're fortunate. I mean, one of the things I do in my job is I get to, my team gets to have direct customer engagement with some of the world's largest cloud service providers. Um, by having those collaborative engagements um, and looking not just at near term what they're buying today, but trying to be a technology partner over the next year, two, three, um, 
it really does give us the ability to try to adapt. And we know that if we don't, we won't win their business. So when we, you know, things like non-volatile memory um, and how we make that more accessible on the server, mm-hmm. how um, the security features, software orchestration, how we um, try to enable people to manage um, across heterogeneous environment heterogeneous environments and have more of a single pane uh, console all those kind of feed all that feedback we have solution architects and planners and they sit down with the customer and it goes right into our planning process Um, some short some long we can't always do everything but um, it's what we do try to do okay now let's let's talk for a second because you're you um, I believe you're still directly involved with the open data center alliance the ODCA Let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, Intel obviously um, does a very good job of talking about it. Um, It's a, you know, an industry consortium driven by customers. What's, what, what is it first and foremost? And and what's Intel's involvement? Um, How do you, how do you gain knowledge from it? and, And what's, what's it ultimately driving? Yeah, the Open Data Center Alliance is now over 300 companies, uh, enterprise IT and service provider IT, uh, companies that were all facing similar challenges and, and, and needs in the market that realized if they came together and shared best practices and unified their voice, um, really, that if they put their voice collectively together, they could have more influence in the market and more uh, more of a collaborative relationship with the vendor community. Um, and that's really where it forms. So the Open Data Center Alliance is really the buy side, and they act in an unbiased, vendor-agnostic fashion, and they create requirements. They try to look across all these different companies, companies like Disney, BMW, UBS, uh, Marriott, multiple vertical multiple um, geographies, multiple sizes, big down to small. And they come together and they work across working groups and create these requirements. And um, for anybody who's really wondered what the value is, I would say just about a week or two ago, they released uh, the master usage models, the requirements for building compute infrastructures of service, service orchestration in that environment, and common commercial framework terms that you could use to negotiate cloud services. That then creates a path for people to deliver solutions. And you ask about Intel's role. Well, as I said, that's the voice of the end user. Well, we're not, you know, we're more of a supplier, you know, we're, we're more of an everything than an end user. And what we've done is um, they asked us to serve as technical advisor because we've done a lot of industry SIGs and consortiums. And we, um, we have kind of four-plus decades uh, of commitment to driving open standards um, and creating open and interoperable solutions. So we just serve as technical advisor. Sometimes that's administrative. Sometimes, um, you know, we get, a, we, we get in and help collaborate. But we don't have a vote right. and we don't make the decisions, but we do get to listen. And, you know, as, as they're putting together standards, as they're putting together recommendations, what what happens with those? I mean, how do they get turned into something that's actionable? Um, it's I mean, it's not a standards body per se, but you know, how right. how does that get turned into things that they ultimately can say, we wrote the standard, and six months later, um, it's affecting the products that they buy or the you know the the way things come out that that's going to help them. Yeah, and this is the cool thing. So the the alliance also has this broad solution provider tier, which has I think it's. 25 or 30 of the leading hardware, software, and services vendors in the world that are now collaborating. Um, So when they produce a requirement, the solution providers work with them to say, okay, how can we create solutions that meet these requirements? And what the the board and the contributors and the adopter community, uh, they're really committing to, you know, walk their talk, right? Mm -hmm. So 
to use these usage models either in their RFPs or their contract negotiations to do proof of concepts um, that show how the solutions can be created. There was a really good one between National Australia Bank was at one of the board meetings and said, hey, I'd really like to test um, this gold security, industry standard security level we're testing. Um, I need a service provider. Uh, Terramark raised their hand and said, we'll do the handshake with you. Terramark built the gold service, tested it with National Australia Bank. Uh, they proved that there was still more work needed. Um, they worked with the solution providers, and then they iterated. And um, you'll start to see, you know, I'm not necessarily speaking about that example, but that's how commercial services will be born going forward. Okay, so you'll see, you know, people sort of advertising, uh, you know, as a just like they would support any other set of standards or capabilities. They you may very well see, you know, ODCA specification X as a as yeah. they'll advertise as a as a capability, and it's something that that people can say, I can know what it is, I can know what to expect, because that's one of the challenges with with cloud services. You know, whether it's an Amazon or a rack space or a or whatever, they they might say, well, we support OpenStack or we support CloudStack or we support whatever, but you don't really kind of know. It's not totally transparent. How do they do security? What does their network topology look like? And and the hope is that this will add a level of transparency so that people feel more comfortable knowing this provider works in certain ways, they offer certain capabilities, it's been tested and so forth. Is that kind of the thinking behind it? Exactly. Transparency for ease of... um for ease of comparison across services as well as for enforcing and understanding the the SLAs and the quality that you're going to get out of it. So that's really what they're trying to dive and all these drive all these things will make it easier for them to build and consume cloud services. And and you mentioned the standards body. Um, the ODCA doesn't create standards but they have uh, liaisons with with orgs like uh, the Cloud Security Alliance and the DMTF and the Green Grid and um, uh, a, a number of others, Open Compute and Oasis. So all those standard dependencies, they are they're doing uh, rela- they're they're doing joint work projects and and things to help drive those standards needed to complete complete the requirements. Just like they're working with the vendor community. Okay. Okay. Very cool. So um, I know you're a little bit time restrained. I want to be very uh, conscious of your time. Let me ask you one last question. And and if we get into some things that are kind of roadmappy, you know, tell me, hey, we're not going to kind of go there. But, you know, as, as I'm looking at the things that Intel is involved with in supporting, so whether it's Open Compute, uh, the Open Virtualization Alliance, obviously ODCA um, made a big presence at OpenStack. So a lot of a lot of open source efforts. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. like you said, more and more software-based things, WAM Cloud and so forth. Um, you know, now that security, which typically was always thought of as being kind of a software function, is now kind of being embedded into into hardware, is it is it unreasonable to think that sometime in the future we may start seeing hypervisor technology, which is kind of a, a very distinct control point, even if it's open hypervisor technology, start to get embedded into the chipset, or is that something that's that's much more complicated or not necessarily on any discussable roadmaps? Well, uh, here's the thing. I'm I'm really not an expert on what that might be, okay. but I, I we do have deep enabling relationships for all the major hypervisors, uh, you know, right. open source and and some of our key capabilities we put in the chipset, or, sorry, in the in the in the yeah components, right, are things like VT, uh, virtualization technology, and things that help um, better enable it, and things like TXT. So um, beyond that, I I, I don't even know enough to answer and 
But and, now that's that's fair. Like you said, there's there's things that that accelerate it and enable it better. Um, I mean, we're starting to see companies like Bromium who are kind of building micro virtualization that takes advantage of the hardware. I'm just trying to figure out like is you know will we see uh, you know the next Xeon that says hey you know Zen or KVM is really now embedded and and runs that much faster or something like that. So um, maybe something for people to look forward to in in the announcements in 2013. But you know we'll see if that if that ever evolves. Um, well, very cool. Well, Regine, um, you know, as always, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we could probably go into a lot of things. Um, you know, I think if we if we get you back, I'd love to talk about at some point. Um, you know, all the th- you know, you get a chance to to see what's going on in the world. I think sometimes some of us in technology maybe are a little too U.S. centric. So hopefully, we can get you back to talk about you know what's going on in China, what's going on in emerging markets. Um, I almost feel like that could be a, a discussion all in and of itself. But I want to thank you so much for your Absolutely. time. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so real quick uh, before we before we go before we wrap up the show, um, you know, for folks that want to know more about like you know how you're involved, what Intel's doing with ODCA, what you know the cool things that Intel Data Center Group's doing. What's the best place for people to go find, um, you know, information? Maybe catch up with you at a conference. You know, where where can they find you or the information that that you're out there driving in the in the marketplace? Yeah, there's there's a. I mean, I could give you a whole list of resources. We could take an hour on that, but <laughs> there, there's one one good one that on the web, intel.com/itcenter. Okay. Um, we do try to make everything, or you can go to intel.com/datacenter or intel.com/cloud. Okay. Um, you're going to get a lot of these key technologies and topics and trends that I've been talking about. Yeah. Um, I also enjoy meeting people. You can, um, you know, uh, Twitter has been a great way for me to meet a number of people. Um, I'm at Regine, R-A-E-J-E-A-N-N-E-S as in Sam, or S as in Skillern, um, Regine S on Twitter. And I really do enjoy when people reach out, ask me questions, make a connection. And, and if we need to go deeper, I can definitely connect with people that way. Okay, very cool. We will uh, we'll put all those uh, those URLs and your Twitter handle in the show notes. So for folks who wanna wanna sync up and you know buy you a drink or talk to you at shows, they uh, they can there definitely reach are. out. Um, <laughs> well, very cool. Well, um, we're we're out of we're out of time. Um, thank you so much for the time, folks. If you like the show, tell a friend, leave us a review on iTunes. You can always follow us on Twitter or find us on the web at the cloudcast dot net, where you can find everything else social media about the show. So uh, for Regine and for Aaron, who's off, but we'll be back next week. Thanks to everybody for listening, and have a great weekend. 